Welcome back. We continue our study in the book of Galatians, and we are in chapter 5 now, and I hope you've been following along and reading along with us, and I hope you're enjoying this study. Galatians is a very interesting book. Paul's letters <clears throat> that he writes are often to address particular problems within the church, uh, the early church, and a lot of those problems stem from the cultural transition from Judaism to Christianity. And so again, in Galatia, as we've stated before, there are a group of people that have come in and confused everyone, really muddied the water and told them, particularly the Gentiles, if you wish to be a Christian, you first have to become a Jew. So you've got to obey the rite of circumcision. Uh, and, and now they're all confused because they didn't know this was part of the bargain. It's creating division. And Paul strives to make a point for them, to them. The old law is gone. Do not chase after that old law because you're settling for less. Don't slip back. You, Paul talks a lot about the gospel like it's a gift, like it's this beautiful treasure, and it certainly is. But he, he uses that kind of imagery and that, that kind of language to say, you have found what you've been looking for. You found the thing that, that, that everybody has wanted. Don't give it up. You've got this freedom, and you've got this, this uh, sanctification and this righteousness that comes through Christ. Why would you surrender that? because some people are selfishly trying to confuse you. Uh, I think it is really important that we strive to rediscover and recapture that idea of the, the gospel as this treasure, this thing that we found that we don't want to let go of, we don't want to give up. All right, Galatians chapter 5. And this is an important theme, the freedom that's in Christ. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he's referencing there the idea that there are people trying to Judaize, as they call it, um, and, and trying to shame and pressure people into accepting the, something that's a part of the old law that has no place in the new covenant. He's saying, hey, Jesus set you free for the sake of freedom. For no other reason than, than, than he wants you to be free free from the bondage of sin, but free from the bondage of the, the old law. And he says, look, verse 2, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Why is that, Paul? He says in verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Wow. All right. Now, this is some strong language here. But he's making a point. If you are going to accept circumcision, which is an effort to be justified by law, to be seen as pure and righteous before God because of the adherence to a law, if you do that, then you can just forget about Jesus. It's all or nothing with Jesus. Either Jesus is the way or he is part of the way. Either it's Jesus and that's it or it's Jesus and something else. I think you've probably had experiences in churches where it's been that way too, haven't you? You've probably experienced the the feeling that there was Jesus and being taught that there were that Jesus saves us, but then we've got to keep all these rules in order to stay in Christ. Well, what is it that severs us from Christ? Paul says it's by surrendering the the righteousness that comes through Him to achieve, try to achieve a justification through the law instead. And once you set foot in the, in the arena of justification by the law, you're in it. You don't get to follow Jesus and say, he's my Lord and Savior, but I'm going to do these things too to make sure I'm saved. No, sir. 
it is Jesus or it's nothing. Um, and if you, as he's saying to them, and we can apply this to ourselves in some of the ways that we approach um, a works-based faith at times, um, or works-based salvation. But what he's saying to them is, if you start slipping back into promoting, defending, and, and exercising this old law, you're separating yourself from Christ because you are rejecting the new covenant in favor of the old covenant. What was the old covenant? That if you do these things, including circumcision, you'll be saved. And what is it that Christ says? Believe in me, call my name, be baptized in my name, you'll be saved. It can't be both ways because Christ puts to death the first law, the old law. So if you're going to go the old law route, then you have cut yourself off from Christ. That's interesting language there, by the way, that Paul uses about being severed from Christ because we're talking about circumcision. It's purposeful that he says it that way. Um, so that you've fallen from grace. He says you've had grace and you've rejected it and you have fallen now back into the law. Verse 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for hope, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Wow. There it is. You want to know what the most important thing, the only thing that matters is in all of your faith? This is, Paul says right here, what's the most important thing? Faith working through love. Faith expressing itself in love. That's how we're to live. You know, if you get really hung up worrying about, am I doing enough? Am I obeying? Am I doing the right things? I just really hope I make it. I really hope I, I'm doing all the right things. Hey, if you follow this one rule, you, you'll be fine. If you live a life of faith expressed through love, I don't see how you can help but obey Jesus Christ. I don't see how you can help but do God's will. If you are living a life of faith expressing itself in love, and Paul says, hey, nothing matters to Jesus except faith expressing itself in love. If we organized our churches on that basis, how different would they look? How different would we would we be, would we operate? That's, we have a whole lot of else that we've written in there as the important stuff. And Paul says, it's just faith expressing itself through love. And then a little lament here from Paul in verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This uh, persuasion is not him from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, you've got a little negative influence here, and it's not coming from God, and it works its way through a big crowd quickly. Okay, it causes problems quickly. I have confidence, verse 10, in the Lord, that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those, okay, here we go. Paul gets, Paul is kind of a rough fella sometimes, all right? We think of the Bible as, and the scripture is very holy and very proper. Paul says some things sometimes that we would not say in polite company. Let's just be honest about that. He's saying, look, I, I'm persecuted all the time by the Jews and by these influences in the, in the early church. I'm persecuted all the time. If I was preaching circumcision, I wouldn't still be being persecuted. But I'm not teaching that. And he's, he's saying that uh, if I did, then, then the, no one would have anything to say about me because I would be rejecting the cross as the means of salvation. And here is his wish 
for those who oppose him. This is what Paul says he wishes will happen to these people spreading this uh, division. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. In other words, what he's saying is, they're teaching circumcision. Well, I hope the knife slips and they cut themselves off from the kingdom in a very literal way. Um, that's some strong language from Paul. I bet you didn't know that was there. He can be pretty rough on people. Verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, don't be selfish. You have freedom. You're not bound to this law anymore, but don't let that make you feel like you don't have to think about anybody else. Okay? Don't use it as an excuse. But instead, um, he, he says to serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's the law summed up. Take care of people like you would take care of yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, now here is Paul talking again about law and, and grace and sin. And Paul seems to, to suggest frequently that when we're under the law, we are it's a, it's a hindrance to us because it somehow evokes this desire for sin. I think that's probably true. Uh, a lot of we don't we're not rule breakers until rules start getting made and then we like to break rules right and he says living by the spirit is a type of freedom and liberation whereby instead of following this textbook uh you know pattern of one two three four five being led by the spirit is having a theme for your life of loving others and loving God and then you let your actions follow accordingly because God doesn't need that strict adherence to step by step. That was for a purpose and for a time. What he needs is your heart. You can follow the steps and never give him your heart, but it's it's really difficult to give him your heart and not follow the steps. So uh, that's what God is after. And Paul here is saying, being led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. okay? And, and that keeps you from the desires of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Um, there's a lot listed here. And, you know, there's some of them that you can look at and go, well, I don't do that. Um, but then there's some of them, like, I don't remember the last time I worshipped an idol or uh, committed an act of sorcery, but have I been jealous? Yeah. Do I have fits of anger? Oh, yeah. Do I have rivalries, dissensions, divisions? Oh my goodness. This is like my resume now. You know, I mean, we all see ourselves in this list somewhere. And, and we have to take that seriously. I, war I, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here we go. Now, this is a very famous passage we're coming up on here, verse 22. Because Paul's going to describe the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we think, oh, these are the things we need to do. Um, to be in the Spirit. No. What is fruit? What is fruit? Fruit is, identifies. I mean, I can tell an apple tree from an orange tree. 
And it ain't because of the bark or the leaves, it's because of the fruit that's on it, okay? People who know a little more about trees might, but I don't. So I can, it's identifying. The fruit identifies the plant. And frankly, if an orange tree doesn't have oranges on it, it's just a tree, right? What makes it an orange tree is that it grows oranges. And an apple tree, apples. And they, those identify. So it's fruit is an identifier. Fruit is also the result of the proper function of the tree. And fruit is the means of reproduction of the tree. So for Christians, when we hear fruit used as a metaphor in the Bible, we need to understand those are the things that identify us. Those are the evidence of our heart and our, our life being in order with God. And they are the means of proliferating and growing and evangelizing uh, for the church in this world. So think about those things. The fruit of the Spirit, it's not, this is not saying, okay, do this, 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 and this. It's saying, hey, here's the things that happen when you follow after the flesh. Here's the things that happen when you follow after the Spirit. And this is what identifies you and aids in your evangelism and is evidence of the good works that flow from a heart that is right with God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Isn't that something? Here's the works of the flesh, and they're all things that the law says not to do, and yet you desire them somehow. What about the things that the law doesn't prohibit? Those are that should be a lot easier for you, things that the law doesn't prohibit. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Live in unity with one another. Live peacefully. And don't give up the grace and the beauty of the cross for the pain and the fleshly desires of the law. Uh, if you want to get a little deeper into the fruit of the Spirit, um, we did a series uh, on Sunday mornings in, um, uh, boy, it was it was right before the pandemic, so early 2020. But it's available, um, should be available on our website, in the Sermon Archive section, uh, and through our podcast on, at Monroe Church of Christ. Uh, so check that out if you want to get a little deeper. Uh, I did a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, um, and maybe that will be helpful to you. Otherwise, we're going to wrap up Galatians next time with uh, chapter 6, the conclusion of the letter, and then we'll move on to other things. Thank you so much for joining us this time, and we'll see you around the corner.